Uh, so we're looking at one of the, uh, the goals. We've been looking at the goals of the church. The first one we look at is uh, evangelism, that all the members of the church will share the gospel to somebody that have not heard the gospel, right? We looked at that last week. And I also challenge you that if you haven't had any person in your mind, that you'll start praying. And once you have, that you'll make a list, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, so we can pray for those people. So how many of you have been working on it? Yes. Uh, I see one, two, three, four, five hands. It means we got a lot of work to do. Okay? We got work to do because we're not going to be Christians and people that just come to church on Sunday and sit here. Okay. Uh, we're going to be real, authentic Christians that do the work of the Lord, that do the work of God. And this is serious stuff and serious business. So you're not here for a hermeneutical class. You're not here for how well I connect all the contacts from New Testament and Old Testament. Okay? You're here to do the work of the Lord, and we're going to be very serious. So this is an honest hour, and sometimes it's going to be hard and tough on you. I didn't prepare the sermon with your name in my mind. If it hits home directly to you, that's not me. It's God working. So we're going to do it that. We're going to, so today we're going to look at evangel- uh, conversion. Converting from a life that you were living that is messy, full of mistakes, struggling, and do, into a life of Christ. And we want to look at that. So the 11 commandment. We are looking at the 11 commandment. Command the mountain to move. We're looking at what are the mountains that you have in your life. And do you have faith? to ask the mountain to move. So last week when we talked about the gospel, we had souls safe in this church right here, right? People came to me and they gave their life to Christ when we were praying at the well. And some of you raised your hand when you were sitting there to give your life to Christ. And God is doing His work. So let's give God the glory for all the work that He is doing. And today we're going to look at the wall. The wall could be a mountain. And I want to look at the wall. And the wall fell. And we're going to look at worship evangelism. Let me read the scripture for you from Hebrews. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Hebrews eleven thirty to 31. When you start reading Hebrew 11, this is a hall of faith that the Hebrew writer had mentioned all the people that has been pleased by God because of their faith. And Rahab is one of them. Who was Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute. She's a Canaanite, a foreigner. How can a prostitute, a foreigner, a Canaanite, have a mention in the hall of faith? That she plays a central role in the faith that we have today. I would have never imagined a prostitute to take a leadership in the history of our faith and the church. But God has different plans. So are you with me today? Yes. Are you ready for the Word of God? And then we have food later on, so we can be here the whole day. Right? So don't look at your watch and your clock, but we got to get this. Because this is serious, and it's very important. So you stay with me. Stay with me for a while, and let's do this together. So I had my conversion experience when I was 11, around 10, where I, 
I had a heavy inspiration that came when I heard the gospel, and I mustered up my strength to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ when I was uh, about 11, maybe like 10. But the real encounter with the Holy Spirit began when I was about 18 years old. 18 years old that God laid in my heart to say, you know, uh, I am the Lord. And I made a choice to follow him. I made a choice to follow him. So since 18, I have been in the ministry since I was 18 years old. I started a campus ministry. And I was the prayer secretary. I don't know what that means, you know. But I was the prayer secretary at the campus ministry. And every evening we would pray. And every Saturday we would have a prayer meeting. In the beginning, prayer was not very popular. And when you were in a college, you want to hang out. And I was in a private college, co-ed college. And evening was a time where we go down and walk. And that's where you meet girls, right? You meet girls during that time. And now we're going to have prayer meeting. I'm like, whoa. I want to go and walk and look at some pretty girls there, you know. Say hi to them. Somebody may say hi to me. Okay. But we had prayer meeting every evening. Before I left the college, the prayer evening was more popular than the walk. We had so many areas of prayer. And that free times were filled with boys and girls, men and women, praying. That was my start in the campus ministry all my life. Even before I got here, I was in the campus ministry. I have served in a new church start. I have served in, in the denominational churches. I've helped planted a church. I have served in the Indian congregation. I have served in the uh, Indian American churches. I have served in a very educated church. I have served in white only church that except it's my family that is non-white. I've served in different churches all these years, starting from 18. In one of the things, one of the, one of the kingdom lessons that I've learned in serving all this church is that all this church, whether young or old, they all want growth in attendance. Okay? They all want growth in attendance. They want more money to come in. They are concentrating and working hard on discipleship. And they also want to preach the gospel. I've seen this in all churches, in America, in India, wherever I have served. Everybody wants more people to come, more money. They're doing programs for discipleship. They're thinking about how to share the gospel. They work so hard on it. The leaders and the members of the church. But the leaders and members of the church primarily focus on evangelism, outreach, discipleship, stewardship, and church growth, and neglect one of the most powerful sources, that is worship. Worship powers evangelism. Worship powers evangelism. It's not so much on getting the four spiritual laws. How to share the gospel. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, four. Are you ready to give your life to Christ? Right? Get my testimony down in 260 seconds, boom, 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 which is good, which I would like you to work on it. But it's not there. The source, the source of the power that propels evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, social ministry is worship. When you get your worship right, then these things is going to function. We don't talk about worship much then. As a tool and as a power of evangelism. Because it is in true worship 
that we encounter the very source of life and power, which is God. It is in true worship. You encounter the source of your life. The source of your power is in worship. So how is your worship life? When do you worship? How's your worship life? How's your daily encounter with God? You come and worship when we sing four or five songs here. You know, sing more songs. Is that your definition of worship? Worship powers evangelism, fellowship, stewardship, discipleship, and you add on to it. Because in worship, you can hear the heartbeat of the Lord. In worship, you know the mind of God. In worship, He tells you what you need to do. In worship, you can look into the eyes of God and be transformed into His likeness. The more you become like Christ, the more you become like God in His presence. Your power out there is going to shine. Your presence out there is going to increase. Your influence out there is going to increase. So, the source of evangelism, the source of conversion is then worship. It is where the power lies. How are we doing with your worship? How's your worship life? Can you define worship? Is it singing three, four songs, reading one scripture and sing two more songs? I got it down. Rahab had worship right. Because by faith, the wall of Jericho fell, right? By faith. So they're going to go and claim the promised land. And there is a wall. The wall is in the way. Big wall, stone wall. And so God's going to come up with a great plan, right? To bring the wall down. And boom, the plan came what? Walk around the wall. Walk around the wall. What a great strategy, right? I mean, you got to walk around, not just one time, but for six days, you walk around it every day. On the seventh day, you walk around it seven days. And then, wow, even a greater idea. We blow the trumpet and you, you shout loud and the wall will fall. What a great idea. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought? So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpet and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Blowing the trumpet caught my attention. Okay? When you go back, when you go back, to read in the Leviticus in 23, in 25, there is a festival of blowing the trumpet. There is a festival of blowing the trumpet that the Lord has commanded. What is the festival of uh, uh, blowing the trumpet? It is, it is a holy convocation. It is a holy call for worship. When you blow the trumpet on the first day of the seventh month, it means it's time for consecration. It is the day of atonement. The atonement has come. What do you do? 
during the day of atonement. What do you do when you hear the word atonement? It is asking the Lord to forgive your sins. It is the time to consecrate. When you hear those holy convocation and when the priests blow the trumpet, blow the trumpet, it is time to come before the Lord. It is time before to come the Lord. You see? How can we speak the mountain to move? How can we speak the wall to fall? We worship. Worship is the source of conversion. God is asking to worship. He's saying, do not focus on the enemy. Do not focus on the wall. Do not focus on whether how you're going to conquer Jericho. When the holy conversion... Convocation calls made when, when the trumpet sound, you look at me and you look inside. And if you do that right, if you do that right, then the wall will fall. Because God is saying, if you worship me, if you choose to worship me, and if you're worshiping me, I will fight the battle for you. But the problem is, we want to do the work. We want to do the work. So we look at Rahab's daring faith, right? So it's the daring faith of Rahab led her from harlot to a heroine. So here's a, she's a prostitute. Two spies from Joshua came to Jericho. And uh, she hid them on, on, on the roof. And the king's army came, hearing that there were two spies that have come from Joshua camp to inspect the country. And when they came, what did she do? She did two, she did two things. One, she lied to the army, and then she hid the spies. What made her do that? Why would she chose Israelite over her people and her country and over her king? Why would she do that? Why would she do that? And you can hear this. You can hear this great testimony. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. See, when you hear Rahab, you don't, you don't read this. You pass by this. This is the great confession that Jesus is God. That God of heaven and God of earth. She believed that God, the God that Israelite worship is the true God. Just as Sashi was saying, I'm a secret Christian, but I believe that Jesus is Lord. This is her confession. Do you know? Do you know that this is the first woman, the first Gentile, Canaanite, outside of Jewish people that made a confession that God is the true God? Did you know that? Did you know that Rahab, a prostitute, a Canaanite, not a Jewish people, not God's chosen people, is the first woman, the first Gentile that confessed that God of the Israel is the God of her. This is her conversion. How did this happen? How did this happen? How did Rahab's harlotry, the history of our faith, how did this happen? It happened in the scripture that I read for you from Exodus 15. It happened because 40 years ago, 40 years ago, she heard a song that was written and sang by Moses. And Moses sang, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Right? And he sang, he sang this, The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. 
The deep waters have covered them, and they sang to the depths like a stone. She heard the worship song of Miriam, who sang, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider, and he is hurled into the sea. Our worship leader, our worship minister, Sharon Sintas, she is a worshiper. She brings people to worship God. There is a big difference between people that enlighten and that entertains. Now this is, see I said that uh, I prepared this sermon not knowing Hillary and Katie is going to be here. So it's not on her or the worship leaders, not on anything, but I'm talking on the truth, right? People who don't know how to bring people to worship, what do they do? They entertain. That's a separate thing. When people know how to bring people to worship, you don't entertain. You enlighten. The songs of Mary and Moses, the songs of Miriam and Moses brought people to worship. They just crossed the Red Sea. They brought the tambourines. And the women are coming and singing and praising and worship song. This worship song has gone over to Jericho. And Rahab has heard this song. And she believed for the Lord your God, His God of heaven and earth beneath, because of the worship of Miriam and Moses. Worship is the source of conversion. Are we getting there now? The faith of Rahab was shaped by the testimonies of God's people. How do you tell your testimony? You sing. Just like Hillary and Kate were singing about the song, about forgiveness. They want to sing the gospel in their song. Do not let your heart be troubled. That's the word of Christ. Right? Believe in me. Testimony. Rahab's daring faith saved her and her family. I know the Lord, your God, has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us. It's a Gentile, it's a woman, it's a prostitute that proclaimed the first oracle of the occupation of the promised land. It wasn't the priest. It wasn't Joshua. It wasn't from among the people. It was an outsider, a woman, a prostitute that proclaimed the oracle of the occupation of the promised land. And it was Rahab. It was Rahab. Rahab is the first woman a Gentile who proclaimed the oracle of God on the occupation of the promised land. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? This is worship getting right. When you choose whom to worship, when your decision on whom to worship is made, it is when the power starts flowing. Who are you going to worship? It's a choice. Are you going to worship the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, or are you going to worship the moon God, which is in Jericho? They worship the moon God. And Rahab chose not to worship the moon God. He, she decided to worship the God of Abraham. And what happens? And what happened, my friends? She and her household, her relatives were all saved. When the wall crumbled, she and her relatives were only one 
that was saved. Rahab is the first Gentile woman who converted. We just knew her as prostitute. Because we didn't look at the worship life. Let me tell something again. Uh, there was another one. And uh, here, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on the mountain, and you Jews say that it was in Jerusalem, the place where you ought to worship. Jesus met in the New Testament. Fast forward. Who did she meet? An immoral woman. This time is not a prostitute, immoral woman, seemingly with five husbands. And they were talking about what? This is a conversion story. This is the evangelism style of Jesus Christ. But did she have the four spiritual laws? Right? Did she have the testimony prepared and going to win an argument and crush her and say the Samaritans? No, you guys are bad. You don't worship in Mount Charism. Did she go? Did Christ go to crush her? No, no. He was talking about worship. He was talking about worship. You know, actually, he who worships in spirit and in truth, that time is coming. In fact, it is here. I'm right before you. You worship me, and you will be safe. And suddenly, the light dawned on her. She was enlightened. What did she do? She ran back to her village, and she said, Could this be the Messiah? What propels evangelism again? What powers evangelism again? Worship. The hour is coming. And now is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Come, see the man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Worship. Worship The conversion of Rahab and the Samaritan woman was a conviction on worship. Right worship leads to the right discipleship. The answer of evangelism lies in the decision to worship. You said to me, Pastor, I'm scared of sharing my faith to other people. What should I do? Try worship. You try worship. And then come and see whether it works or not. The answer of evangelism lies in the heart of worship. The conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman reveals the connection between worship and evangelism. One of the greatest conversations that ever happened was the conversation at the well with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. We know Christ came to save the world, but what were they talking about? Worship. Evangelism is not about winning an argument and proving my faith is right but to make God and his story come alive in a person. That is evangelism. And that can happen when you're worshiping God daily. He will give you the power, the love, and the grace. People will love you because you're so close to God. 
Your heartbeat is God's heartbeat. And people will feel the proximity of God. And your joy will be contagious. You will not be self-righteous. You will not be those one of those uh, Christians that are looking down on people all the time. And when they come and sit with you, they feel they're so small that they're no good. What kind of a Christian would like to grow up like that? Where did we get that from? I mean, we have become so self-righteous, stinking righteous, that people can't sit with us. They want to walk away from us. Because when they come and sit with us, their life is full of misery. Their life is full of misery and hatred, and they are just so bitter of themselves, they don't want to hang around with us. What kind of a Christian is that? How did we turn out to be like this? How did we turn out to be like this? We want to be people like Rahab and Good Samaritan women that hang out with Christ and talked about worship. And they went on their own to do the work of the Lord. I'm going to call Kate and Hillary to come up here and let us minister again. As they come up, I want to say this. In the heart of evangelism is the heart of God. But you will not know what is in the heart of God if you don't worship Him daily. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Can we close our eyes? And I want to say this as I pray. I'm going to pray. I want to say this. God can use anyone. God can use anyone, any person to change a family, a country, a nation, and even history of our faith. If you feel like uh, you connected with the story of uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Joshua and Israelite and Rahab. And you feel like something is going to birth out of you because God's hand is on you. And you've been struggling on who to worship. Should I worship the God of Abraham? Should I worship Jesus? Or should I worship the God that my friends are telling me and you don't know what to choose? Can I suggest that you also chose to worship the God of Abraham just like Rahab? May I suggest you worship Christ just like the Samaritan woman? We're going to take an offering and I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. But before I do that, as I pray, as part of an offering, not just a tithe and an offering, not just giving money, as we bow our head, would you be willing to put your life as an offering to God this morning? And to see where God takes you. And just to start out, baby step, one step today and see where God will lead you. Would you be willing to give your life as an offering to God this morning? If so, as an act of faith, by faith the wall fell, by faith Rahab saved his family. As an act of faith, can you raise your hand? 
And uh, yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see. Yes, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? By faith, you want to offer your life to God, and you want to raise your hand. Thank you, Father. We have come to worship you. We're here to worship you. Help us to linger a little longer with Kate and Hillary to worship you. And as we worship you, may the wall fall. May the mountain be moved. For we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the people of God say, "Amen." Yes. Let's continue to worship. Yes. Thank you.